Welcome to Healthy by Association, the podcast. My name is Aaron Wellwick, and today's topic is Heart Healthy Exercise Guidelines. It seems like a mouthful, and it seems maybe very technical, but I think we'll introduce it in a really fun and exciting way. And there are actually some really awesome new guidelines uh, that we'll be sharing with you on today's episode, kind of this joint effort from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and uh, Harvard. So lots more to come. Stay tuned on that. But before we do, let's welcome my co-host today, as always, Angela Pelk. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. I think we've got a good uh, episode for you here. I know. It's pretty exciting. You know, I know that we'll probably say this 101 times in today's episode, uh, but it it bears repeating right here at the top. (laughs) We're definitely not doctors in this journey. But, um, and I was actually a little intimidated by today's topic, uh, but I think some really good practical tips and tricks that we were able to interpret from our resource we'll be using today. And I think that certainly you all can dig into it well uh, yourself as well, should you be interested. But I think you'll be pleasantly pleased by some of the things that we have to share. Um, But before we dig into that, uh, we certainly have some uh, reminders for all of you. Uh, You may remember that in 2019, we started this new sort of content strategy with Healthy by Association. And instead of throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall to see what (laughs) sticks, we really did engage the moderator team and specifically Elspeth Russell to help us organize our content into buckets. And in particular, each month, uh, sort of having a new approach or new content area for us to all focus on. And although we are sad to see January go, and I honestly cannot even believe that January has come and gone so quickly, uh, we are excited with today's episode to welcome in a a new month. So hello, February, (laughs) month of love. but also kind of similarly this idea around heart health. So we actually in the Healthy by Association Facebook community are posting sort of facts about um, heart health month. And one of the things that I was interested to know is that this isn't a new phenomenon. I think that, I think that this idea around like a new topic or a new day is, yeah. is is newer like I feel like there's a day for everything and literally you can go yes. like look online and you know like I think maybe you said in the last episode Angela like it's pumpkin pie day or whatever yes. it is, right there's literally like a day for everything and then yeah. and then some of these days are like two or three or four or five or ten deep like there are yes. days for everything and just lots of um, topics each day um, and some of them are probably long time mainstays and some of them are sort of newer and fresher Uh, But this idea of heart health has actually endured for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, off the top of my mind, remember sort of when the year that this was established, but has been happening for quite some time. And again, Mm -hmm. certainly we're posting all of those facts to the Facebook community. But um, again, proud and happy to usher in Heart Health Month and all of the moderators this month and certainly our HBA episodes and our blog posts and a lot of what we do, including our new Spotify playlist are all focused around this theme. So uh, hopefully you can uh, help us embrace that. And today we'll jumpstart our very first episode of Healthy by Association uh, utilizing that new theme. Yeah. Yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's a good topic. I mean, um, I think heart health is really important. I, I mean, I say this all the time. I think I say this every time I get by this microphone. We only have this one life. And if we can aim to choose things that drive us in a more healthy direction than not, we're going to have a better quality of life for a longer period of time. Um, and I think that's I think that's very important to keep in mind. You know, I, I think unless and unless it's top of mind, I don't know that you know we're going to pay much attention to it. So I'm really grateful that this community has been created, especially for busy professionals in this industry, um, because I know that you know you put you put the job first, you put your your members first, you put your conference first, and then where are you left? And and you know that's that's really the important thing here is that you know we just want to bring you these topics so that you can 
manage to attempt to put yourself a little bit higher up on your personal to-do list? Um, well, I think it's interesting, you know, Heart Health Month and a heart health in general is an interesting topic. I think that we often jump to the conclusion that we're talking about people sort of later in life mm-hmm. um, or that it has to be, you know, I also associate sort of heart health with an EKG sort of early on in my life. Actually, at this point, it's probably been 10 years ago. I had my first EKG because I had some like weird heart things happening. And it's just, it is a reminder that heart health is equally applicable at every sort of stage of not only your career, but for your lifespan. And we're not just talking about, you know, my parents or my grandparents, but we're talking Mm -hmm. about us as adults as well. And realizing that heart health can strike us at any point in time. And whether we're talking about, you know, um, a heart attack or something really severe like that, or whether we're talking about heart murmurs or, mm. or even just walking to keep our, our health, our heart healthy and our blood pumping, um, yeah. it might be as basic as that. On the day that we're recording this episode, I had the opportunity today to see the movie On the Basis of Sex, which I just have to say, if folks haven't seen the movie, please go see it. It was a remarkable film. Um, but the only reason why I'm bringing this up, and it's not, it's not heart-related, but I was struck at how early on in Ruth Ginsburg's life, um, her husband was struck with cancer, um, and it was it was almost surprising that you know such a young person can be afflicted with such a terrible disease. And so, whether it's cancer or heart-related matters, um, you know, it's just a good reminder that at any point in our lives, yeah. unthinkable can happen. Mm-hmm. And so, to the extent that we can be proactive, you know, even at an early age or at whatever age we're starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's eating well or taking care of ourselves or working out or self-care, you know, it's never too soon and it's never too late. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I started this health journey yet again. You know, I I embarked in my later 20s and then again in my 30s and I kind of let it go for a long, long time until I entered my 40s. And I'm like, this is enough. This is enough because if I don't take care of this now, I am going to hear from a doctor down the road, heart disease, I'm going to hear, you know, blood pressure, pre-diabetes. And I, you know, for me, you know, not having any previous serious medical conditions or history or anything like that, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm generally pretty healthy. I need to really like hang on to that and make improvements where I can. So, you know, it's really never too late to start because you don't know what could be around the corner. But I mean, some of this can be, you can be proactive about some of this. And that's what I really liked about this article um, is, is kind of the news that it shares about, you know, what we can do for uh, benefiting our heart health. Awesome. Well, um, hopefully that hasn't been too much doom and gloom, but it has hopefully uh, piqued your interest in terms of today's topic. We actually have some really good news in terms of what the newest recommendations are. Um, this is published by Harvard, but um, is supported by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So um, stay tuned for that here in just a moment. Just a little bit of housekeeping. As always, we'll encourage you to log into your favorite uh, podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us get noticed by other folks, um, both within and outside of Healthy by Association, the Association of Hospitality Communities. We're up against some steep competition, so anything that you can help us do to get noticed is certainly much appreciated. We also want to remind you, as always, that uh, the Healthy by Association Facebook community is available for you 24-7, 365 days a year. So if you're not a member of that community yet, please join us on Facebook every Monday when these episodes are released. We also release a recap and mega thread post. And so there is a little uh, picture that includes a brief recap of some of the highlights from that episode, as well as an opportunity below for you to provide your insights, your comments, your suggestions, and your other resources. Uh, we always try to post um, you know, the main article that we use to 
discussed during these episodes, as well as any other resources or links to podcast platforms uh, to support your engagement and participation, but welcome also anything that you might want to share as well. With that, Angela, I know that we're really excited to welcome a new moderator this month, as well as a new HBA member benefit. Do you want to share just a little bit about that with us? Yeah. Um, so a couple days ago, being the beginning of February, our brand new moderator, Trice Turner, has brought to us a heart health challenge. Uh, so we'd love to get, you know, you know, keep up feedback on how that's going for you. We'd love to know. Um, I know I was excited to be participating. So I mean, just, you know, one more thing, add it right on and, you know, it can only be a good thing for my health. So Absolutely. Um, I and love I the challenge. Just, just let's re also remember sort of our last episode around making healthy habits stick and not to set ourselves up for failure. And so this episode will be launching on February 4th. We're four days into the month. Um, and if you weren't aware or haven't been paying attention or haven't engaged with the member challenge, it's not a problem, right? You can jump in at any point in time. So um, don't set yourself up for failure. If yeah. now is the right time to participate, please do. I know so many of our uh, HBA goal getters have indicated in the past that the reason why they engage in the community and the reason why they participate in so many of the programs, products, is, and services that we offer is because they want to be around for kids and grandkids or other family members um, or other personal reasons to kind of focus on their health and maybe in this case their heart health. And so it's never too soon to start, never too late to start, but also a good opportunity to kind of remember and reflect on why you're doing this in the first place. One last thing I have to mention. I don't know, Angela, if you've been following this at all, the Valentine's Day Conversation Hearts will not be released in 2019. Yes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that all <laughs> the Conversation Hearts are uh, healthy for your heart or even nutritional. They're just pure oh, sugar. Uh, pure sugar, you. right? But, but also, just like groundbreaking, right, that this uh, Valentine's Day mainstay will not be available in 2019. Um, so if you haven't... Why? Yeah, have you, Brox, yeah. why? Or it's Brox, right? Aren't they? I don't it, know. I forget who makes uh, them, but the whole point is that that um, company was sold uh, last uh, fall, October, November range, was sold, and the company that bought that division of the company couldn't oh, it's Neko. Uh, sort of, yeah, Neko, yeah. Neko. They couldn't have, uh, they weren't prepared to sort of launch their. Uh, equipment and the the making of these conversation hearts in time for this Valentine's Day. So you're going to be without. I did actually at the time that I was researching this, you could go on Amazon and purchase <laughs> uh, small quantities for really expensive amounts. Oh my gosh, money, it's a co commodity now. <laughs> just passed this year, but anyway, I just thought that that was like certainly February and Valentine's Day appropriate as we sort of approach that that holiday coming up, but. So I digress. All right. We have the like legitimately one of the biggest topics that I think we've tackled yet um, mm -hmm. on the podcast. I know we're only five episodes in officially the podcast, <laughs> but definitely have sort of this like deep topic. So I'll get us started here. Um, and then Angela and I will be sort of tag teaming this topic. So we're going to officially turn our attention now to this article called Updated Exercise Guidelines. Showcase the benefits to your heart and beyond. All right. What the heck? So um, just a couple of things to note, and certainly, again, we'll link the article in the show notes uh, on Facebook and elsewhere. This article is officially published by Harvard, um, and uh, one of their, I think, professors and doctors were published as part of that article. But additionally, uh, there are some supporting materials from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So um, this is legit. We're like, we're not making this up. And this is like a credible resource for you. Exactly. But the whole point, the good news is in this uh, update. And again, this is like really recent. This was, um, they're actually saying it's officially published in February of 2019. Um, although we've accessed this link before then. So it's, it's a message from the future. Can, right, right. It's like article <laughs> from the future. But in any event, um, it's very recent research and um, it's good news. So the first of all, the good news, the good news is that every little bit of activity that you do counts and the first steps toward fitness really have the most impact. Actually, this isn't so dissimilar from our last episode when I mentioned uh, how 
oftentimes getting started, whether it's working out or whether it's getting up off the couch and like putting in five, 10 minutes or half an hour of work, that's that getting started that's the hardest often um, in our you know, personal and professional lives. Uh, but that getting started is also the most impactful when working out as well. And so um, not only does every little bit count, but those first steps um, towards starting from sort of a stagnant position are also the most impactful. And so just a couple of recommendations that I'll share before Angela kind of tells you what types of activities you can do in order to fulfill these two guidelines is essentially this. There are two main recommendations. The first recommendation is aerobic activity, that um, anything that gets your heart beating faster than your resting heart rate counts as moderate intensity aerobic activity, mm -hmm. right? So again, we'll talk here in a few minutes about what that means, but what the suggestion is, is at least 150 minutes a week. 150 minutes. So I'm not, I'm not a math wizard. I literally, as this is happening, I'm pulling out my little yeah. phone to say, all right, 150 divided by seven is about 21 minutes a day, right? And there's actually good news. It's not even that you have to spread it out over seven days. So stay tuned for that. Um, but if we say 150 minutes a week, and it doesn't have to be running, it doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. you know, hardcore workout, um, just something that elevates your heart rate is is the guideline. And um, it, you can just start with five minutes. That There used to be a lot of recommendations that you have to work out a minimum of 10 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it was. And that has really, that's falling by the wayside. It's that these, um, the workout guidelines suggest that as long as you're um, elevating your heart rate, in increments of five minutes, they add up, that they're cumulative. And so if you're doing these five minute intervals, you can add them up over multiple times a day or throughout the week that in aggregate, as long as you're getting at least 150 minutes a week that you're on track. So that's one guideline. The second guideline is this idea around muscle strengthening. And so the suggestion here is at least two days a week, um, doing activities that make your muscles work harder. So anything that makes your muscles work harder, which is actually, this is interesting because the same thing here, you know, these, the threshold is simple, both for the aerobic activity and the muscle strengthening is that it's not suggesting it has to be a certain intensity or a certain level. It's just your heart rate is elevated, you know, in the aerobic activity and your muscles are doing some actual work in this other, um, you know, muscle strengthening activity or guideline. And again, starting with just five minutes is okay. Um, I'm going to, I'll kick it over to you in just a minute, Angela, but you know, I think this is interesting because I know in our past episodes of HVA Live and elsewhere, we've really talked about like runners getting into a running routine or lifters getting into a lifting routine. And I think other than knowing that there's these two guidelines, knowing that both, doing both, the combination mm -hmm. is, is yes. important in that it's not just one or the other, it is about doing both of these things, right? Yeah, that's what that's what struck me the most is that it's that it's this combination of both things um, and that you just have to do a little bit more um, than your resting heart rate. So it doesn't have to be, you know, break out into a sweat after 30 seconds of activity. It doesn't have to be for the sustained long time period. Um, it's just if, if, and I would say, you know, I think the, the short time that five minute recommendation is if you are at a zero, like level zero, right. like I haven't done anything more than walk from my car to the house in years. Um, you know, you want to, you want to then eventually build on that. But the encouragement here, I think is that starting small is, the only way to start. You know, you've got to, you can't go from zero to 60. You've got to start somewhere and, and starting small is absolutely acceptable. Well, and I think that I like, I like that and how you've posed that. I also think that sometimes we read these workout routines that are like, um, you know, do this uh, circuit and until, until exhaustion or until yeah. muscle fatigue or whatever. And look, you know, there, I know that there are a full range of people listening to this podcast. There are the people who, as you've indicated, lead a maybe more 
sedentary lifestyle and maybe you don't have uh, aerobic activity or don't have muscle exercises as part of their normal routine and certainly something is better than nothing but I also know that we have those people that do CrossFit um, and beyond as yeah. as part of this episode as well or as uh, listening as part of our audience as well and so obviously what gets your heart rate going or what fatigues your muscles or what stresses your muscles will vary de- depending upon yeah. your persona and your yeah. Um, approach to exercise or working out and but I think that the guideline here is just a little even just a little beyond what you normally do is is sufficient to support your own heart health exactly Um, and so I know you're going to lead us through this is somewhat um uh, maybe unclear until we hear some of these types of activities mm-hmm. that people can do. So now you're going to walk us through some of them. And certainly there is a big laundry list of them. In Giant the laundry list. So if people want to, you know, take a look, they certainly can peruse on their own. Yeah. Yeah. But I think to your point, you know, if the goal is becoming, you know, I don't want to be sedentary anymore. I want to improve my heart health. That's great. Five minutes. I have different goals because I am currently a more active person. So maybe, you know, I may already be doing some of these things in my regular fitness routine. So I think that's a, that is a good distinction to say, you know, this, the goals here that are listed in this article are just for overall heart health, not necessarily to build muscle or right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not necessarily the goal for these things. Like, yeah, I could lift a, you know, uh, Campbell's soup cans. And, you know, that would be more than I normally do, which is good if I was doing nothing, but I can pump iron a little bit better than a Campbell's soup can right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, but with some of the things that they're, um, they're asking for moderate to vigorous exercise. And of course, I'm going to say it again. We said it once before. We're not doctors here. I'm just I'm just going over a couple things on the list, and and really the intent is to raise your heart rate and um, on the cardiovascular, you know, like sort of the aerobic side, and then you know to to push you know to intensify your muscle or use your muscle in a more resistant way or you know heavier resistance. Um, so some of these moderate is break this list is broken down into moderate and vigorous intensity exercises. Um, so walking is one of them. Okay. I love this because it's free. Walking is free. Um, the vigorous, the, so walking is on the moderate side, vigorous, you're running, right? So there we have two options there that are, that are, you know, moving on your own power with no special equipment. Um, there is, um, for swimming, swimming is another one. So a moderate way to involve swimming would just sort of be like recreational swimming, maybe swimming with your kids or going to the Y and just sort of playing in the water. Um, you know, you're moving through the water, there's resistance there. More vigorously, you know, if you're ready to elevate that, um, it suggests lap swimming. Um, and I know some of our, we have some serious swimmers in our HBA group, and so they do utilize that. So they're already doing some of that more vigorous activity. Um, some of the other things that are, so tennis is on here. Tennis is listed in both categories. So a doubles tennis, which I think that would kill me just to play tennis at all. Um, but doubles tennis where you're relying on a partner to hit some of the shots across the net, um, is listed under the moderate activity and then singles tennis where you're totally responsible for getting that ball back over the net that it would be, um, would falls under the vigorous intensity activity. So if you can kind of feel where we're going here, like there are, there are like sort of basic activities like walking that you can intensify by jogging or swimming, sort of play swimming or lake swimming, or, you know, we're sort of just like hanging out, treading water, where you can intensify by doing a series of laps. Um, so, oh, there's dancing in here, you know, sort of like ballroom dancing or informal dancing, um, to vigorous dancing, which I don't know, is that like, did you ever do like a 24 hour dance marathon when you were in high school? <laughs> Not dance marathon, but I will say in college, I definitely, um, participated in swing night. And so oh, swing so dancing fun. was like, like oh, the big, all that. the rage. That's so cool. That's so <laughs> you fun. would get like dressed up in our little, like, uh, you know, shirt and tie. Shorties, or like, like, so awesome. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But I think also with activity, and this is my asterisk, like you have to find something that you enjoy and you can bear doing or have access to, especially if you're talking about tennis or swimming um, or dancing. You know, there's even just like housework, like yard work. I, I have gone out into my yard to like pull the whole weeds for the, you know, for the season that's just super heavy duty, or I can just go out and like, you know, sort of maintain the weeds, which is more activity than sitting on the couch, but it's still you know, is a period of time in which I'm more active than, you know, usual. So it's a great list. I think, I think, you know, if you think of some of the activities that you do throughout your day, um, you can think of things, you know, that you could maybe intensify or, 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 you know, elevate to a moderate level. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. I love that distinction. I think that, you know, as we move into this next topic around sitting, it's definitely, you know, a good reminder that, what we're talking about truly on today's episode is uh, maintaining a healthy heart and that, uh, you know, certainly a number of you listening are managing a number of maybe nutrition or weight or self-care or other goals. What we're really talking about today are, is, you know, how, how are you supporting a healthy heart by maintaining um, even a slightly more active lifestyle than you currently do. And it's as easy as this. You know, I think that we often talk about or hear people talk about how sitting is the new smoking. I, Gosh, you know, yeah. I think we've said that so many times, right? Mm-hmm. And, but I don't, I don't know. I think that, you know, until like Harvard says it or until the U.S. Department yeah. of Health and Human Services say it, maybe we don't believe it or put as much stock into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of this article is really talking about the health risks associated with sitting, lying, reclining for extended periods of time. Um, and that's during normal awake hours, right? It's certainly not, we're not talking about when we're sleeping. And we all know how important sleep is to our overall health. Um, but what we're really talking about right now is, you know, during those normal waking hours, how much of your time um, is active and how much time do you sit? And that you know, sitting or uh, specifically extended periods of sitting is linked to greater risk of high blood pressure, heart disease, um, and not to sound overly ridiculous or overly gloom and doom, but also death. Um, and so, you know, thinking about how much time your overall day is spent seated. I know Christine in our last episode mentioned her stand-up desk at work. Um, there are simple ways to sort of um, change that habit in your life. So if you feel like you sit for long stretches of time, um, whether you set a timer on your uh, smartwatch or on your phone or something at, at work, um, that helps you remember to not only stand but to walk around, to get up and move. It can help, uh, certainly. I think that thinking about, you know, even your evening routine, if you tend to sort of come home from work and make dinner or whatever it is and then spend, you know, two, three hours in front of the TV. Look, even if you're spending that time, you know, reading or whatever, like it seems like maybe it's a productive use of time. Thinking about, um, you know, not only how how much of your time is spent standing, but also moving around. Can you... Uh, you know, walk to the mailbox or can you walk to the corner? Can you walk maybe behind your kids who are riding their bike or whatever it is? Just think about how you can infuse some of that movement and activity. You know, I have an Apple watch and one of the things that I get, you know, every hour is, you know, you need to stand up or whatever. And so it seems like maybe a little thing. And I've tried to, you know, I think that the standing part is good. I've tried to in bed myself when I stand to also do a little walk around, whether it's a walk around inside my house or outside of my house or inside the venue or outside the venue. I try to infuse just a little walkabout um, because I think that it's really important. I think that I so much of the early part of my career was sitting at my desk in my association thinking that 
you know, the more time I'm at my desk, the better off I am, you know, for myself or for our members or for, you know, other staff members. And sometimes I, I, I now, of course, all these years later, realize that I wasn't doing myself uh, a very good service by just hunkering down, not getting up, you know, during a break time or during a meal time. Um, and I think that I, I definitely have more awareness and attention to it now. So, so I don't know. I'll just sort of, I'm sure, Angela, you have some things to say about that. But, you know, the more you can move, the better. Even just a little bit can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and uh, the greatest health benefits seem to occur when people just transition from being inactive to active. I think we started the episode talking about how the greatest, um, the greatest payoff can be even those first five minutes moving into a fitness routine when you're actually elevating the heart, you know, certainly sustaining the heart rate, sustaining the elevated heart rate or whatever over a long period of time also has a lot of benefit, but you know, for maybe folks who uh, move less that specific activity of uh, moving from a resting heart rate to an elevated heart rate can be some of the most important part of that process for you. Yeah. I like the point that you made about, you know, early in your career, like if you weren't tied to your desk, you weren't working hard enough or you weren't, you know, you had to have, it was this appearance thing, right? It was more Mm -hmm. about that when really, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's beneficial to get up and move. You know, they say, you know, if you could go and walk over to somebody's desk instead of emailing them or calling them like that's, that's better for you because it does. I mean, you say, I, I need to get, I need to get the blood flowing. I need to get my heart pumping. Like let's say, you know, I brain, I get that three o'clock fog and I'm, I'm tired. So, you know, I think instead of going to the caffeine or to the vending machine or to, you know, something like that, getting up and moving for, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes or, you know, get outside and get a fresh breath of air or walk a lap around the building. I think you're just better for it. You can be more focused and, you know, it doesn't take caffeine or a a spike of sugar to, to give you that energy. Like it literally is, I want to get the blood flowing, want to get my heart pumping and, and moving is a, is an excellent way to do that. So, so definitely, you know, avoiding sitting too much. I mean, gosh, when your Fitbit buzzes off every, you know, at the 10 minute mark toward the top of the hour, listen to it. <laughs> you know, I think those things can just sort of like become white noise in, in your day. And I think Apple watch has something like that too. You said it's a standing, you know, it's one mm-hmm. of the, it's one of the loops, right? One of the circles that you yeah. close on the mm-hmm. Apple watch. So, you know, set it and try it. You know, if you are, if you are, you know, sort of on the sedentary side and you want to look at improving your heart health, those are really great tools to get you to move a little bit more rather than, you know, spending you know, the second you get down into your office till lunchtime, just sitting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, too much of our time inadvertently is spent sitting or spent waiting. Um, And so just being mindful, I even think on the last episode, Christina was talking about how, um, you know, when she's engaging with other team members, (laughs) even she's doing, or she's even walking to the copy or she's like doing lunges or doing a wall sit or how can you, um, you know, maybe it sounds, it sounds silly or it sounds uh, unrealistic, but but give it a try and see what happens um, and see how you can infuse some of that into, into your work. Yeah. Cool. I know we're going to turn our attention now. Um, Angela is going to introduce a little bit the benefits of exercise. And we have sort of four um, quick hits, I guess, on some of the benefits around exercise and about thinking about how um, increasing our heart rate through aerobic and strength ex- uh, strengthening exercises uh, can support our overall heart health. Yeah, I think I think this is really important because because these things are measurable and and the article suggests that it has immediate health benefits. So there are four points here, and I'll start with um, I'll start with blood pressure. Um, like I said in the beginning of this episode, I I was worried. My you know it's something that's genetically in my family. Both of my parents are on you know blood pressure medicine, and and you know while mine is okay now 
you know, I was, I was 70, 80 pounds overweight at one point in my life, in my, you know, in my late thirties and into forties. And I knew that, I mean, that, that's just not good. And I was lucky that when I did go see the doctor, that was um, not a problem, but they're like, Hey, you know, um, but it says, um, exercise may lower blood pressure for up to 13 hours after the activity done on a regular basis, it may lower systolic blood pressure, the first number in the reading, by an average of five to eight points. Um, so so that's that's really important if that's something that that is that runs in your family or you you could be at physically at high risk for. Um, and again, you know, keeping in mind that we are this guideline is just simply to get your heart pumping a little bit faster, a few more beats per minute than your resting heart rate. It's not, again, like I'm going to just say it again. It's not saying now go out and run a marathon. It's just saying, you know, take five minutes or 10 minutes to move the blood through your body. Just well, and this is an area that um, I'm familiar with as well. Um, I've had, I sort of, high blood pressure runs in my family and so I've been monitored for high blood pressure from uh, a young age. Um, actually, I, I mentioned on the last episode um, having an EKG at a, at a young age because uh, there was some uh, thought that maybe there was something going on with my heart and it turned out that my heart was fine but that um, I had high blood pressure. Um, and I know that uh, actually from a very young age, I mean, this was even, we're talking 10 plus years ago, I was on some blood pressure medication. I was able to come off of it. And then recently again, it was sort of, um, I would say last year, um, I was sort of on the borderline again. And one of the first things that my doctor said was, you know, and of course some of these things like run in your family uh, and you can't really, you can't help it all the way through exercise, right? I'm not suggesting that, but, you know, um, we certainly talked about my history um, and he just said, well, how, how often are you exercising? And it was one of the first things that he pointed to. Now, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, I do exercise regularly, um, you know, whether it's a balance between walking, running, or, you know, some other workout exercise. But, you know, before going into medication, and thankfully I've not had to do that, but before, you know, that first step, before going into medication, that was one of the first things that we talked about was, you know, how often are you working out? What does that look like? You know, what's the time frame? Now, mm -hmm. the interesting thing about the guidelines I think we're talking about in this episode is that I previously it was assumed or the recommendation was 30, at least 30 minutes, you know, three times a week. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're suggesting that the new guidelines are saying now is that maybe, you know, in as little as five minutes, cumulatively over the week, as long as you're getting 150 hours total or 150 hours, 150 minutes total. That, right. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> 150 minutes total that you're, you're still having a significant impact. So, um, so anyway, I just, I think that it's important to consider that if high blood pressure either runs in your family or is an issue, thinking about how movement, thinking about how, uh, aerobic exercise and strength, uh, muscle strengthening exercise can support maybe the lowering of your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. yep. Similarly, um, you know, one of the first areas that I, I'm going to be talking about is anxiety and depression. And this article suggests that exercise can, can ease um, anxiety symptoms pretty quickly um, and that over the long term, physical activity can reduce the risk of depression. And, you know, I, it's, it's funny because I don't, I don't believe that you know this at all, Angela, but um, when I first started my consulting firm, Eventguard, now a little over seven years ago, um, I had a lot of anxiety around, um, you know, where the next client was coming, if we were going to have enough money to pay the bills or, you know, um, was this going to work out? Like there was a lot of anxiety around starting the business, being a young entrepreneur. And um, the thing that actually eased that anxiety was hot yoga. That's actually why I started doing hot yoga in the first place was because I needed a big distraction. And, you know, unlike going to the gym or running or whatever, working 
out through yoga um, and this idea and practice of mindfulness and sort of being present on the mat and, you know, everyone breathing in unison and together and somebody constantly telling you what to do and what pose to do and to be present and to think about your alignment and to squeeze your, you know, your shoulder blades together or whatever it is. Um, there's so much focus and emphasis on being in the room on your mat, focus on yourself that it lets all of those other thoughts and cares and worries melt away. And I think one of the interesting things about this article is that, you know, it reminds us that not only does the idea of elevating your heart rate um, sort of help you in that moment or during that period of workout and exercise, but up to what, 13 hours afterwards. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but definitely can say that, you know, I don't know if it always lasted 13 hours for me, but I would leave that class not like so in tune and focused on myself, but also for at least a good period of time, not worried or focused on other things, like really yeah. being happy um, and elevated, right. In some sort of meaningful yeah. way. So anyway, it's, it's, I've definitely experienced that myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can totally relate to, um, you know, coming out of a class and feeling that high. I mean, once, when you do get your heart pumping, there's the endorphins, you know, it's hormone that courses through your body and it does, it makes you feel good. And, and I think when you have that, you know, signal in your brain, I think that that, that can probably at least, you know, some of the things that, you know, if you are having, you know, symptoms of anxiety or worry or, you know, those kinds of thoughts, like I think that it sort of counterbalances it in a way. I don't really know. Um, but I, but I, but I can see how, you know, that can help ease that. I'm glad to hear that, that when yeah. you started your business that you, you know, you had something to go to. I think, you know, there are, there are many other things that you could have gone to, you know, and, and I talk about this all the time too, you know, you go to the pantry, you go to the bottle of wine or the, you know, to the bar or whatever, you know, just to drown that stuff out. So I'm really glad that you found a, a beneficial, healthy outlet. For sure, for sure. All right, well, we have a couple more to go. Um, so I think, Angela, you're going to talk a little bit now about insulin sensitivity? Yes. So um, this, is, this is an area that I know nothing about, uh, you know, with diabetes, but, but I do, I'm just going to read this. You can read it in the article too. It says, activity can improve your body's response to insulin, the hormone that helps control blood sugar levels. Better insulin sensitivity may lower the risk of type 2 diabetes, a major risk for cardiovascular problems. So again, you know, it's just saying, you know, part of the study was that, you know, it can actually help control your blood sugar levels. And I know a lot of people, you know, especially in this industry, right, um, you, you miss lunch or you work through lunch or you're hosting clients through a dinner or you're working, you know, you're working on a program and, you know, you skip your meals and, and that's something that can help, you know, regulate your blood sugar levels. And so when you're, when you're missing out on stuff like that, that's, um, you know, that can hurt your health. And so, you know, just knowing that a little bit of exercise can, um, help, improve that that response i think is is good to know um you know and i don't i don't know a lot about you know diabetes and you know the whole sugar thing it's not something that's part of my life or my everyday thankfully um but it's good to know that if that is something you know that you struggle with or you're facing or you know you have a family history of you know, should definitely check out this article and um you know read it for yourself Cool. Um, yeah, I, I similarly don't have a lot of knowledge or experience, but um, it makes sense to me that, you know, certainly that could help, um, you know, should that be something that you experience or that you suffer from. Um, the last area uh, that I want to talk about now is about sleep. And this, <laughs> look, friends, this is an area that I struggle with. So um, I definitely can relate to this as well. Um, the suggestion here is that getting more physical activity may help you fall asleep more quickly, that it can improve your sleep efficiency. 
which means that you spend a higher percentage of your time in bed actually sleeping versus sort of tossing and turning. Um, and that physical activity can help you sleep more deeply. And look, that all of those things sound amazing to me. <laughs> As somebody who has suffered from sort of, I don't, I've never gotten a sleep test done or I've never like been diagnosed as having a problem sleeping. But I, I, I can, you know, self-diagnose myself in, in the following way. I'm one of those people who um, sometimes can go to bed and uh, be looking at my phone or can sometimes go to my bed and be replaying the whole day in my head mm -hmm. or being thinking about what's coming up tomorrow. Um, and so I know some of the challenges that I've had with sleeping. Um, an article suggests that working out and being active can um, help you in a way where you will maybe be less sleepy during the daytime because you're getting good and sound sleep at night, but also potentially a reduced need for sleeping aids of all, all kinds. Um, but also that people who suffer from sleep apnea may also report some benefits from physical activity as well. And again, I'll just say that my experience has been very similar. Um, I think both in terms of activity and in terms of having a good routine, uh, a good bedtime routine, right? We've talked about good bedtime routines yeah. in the past on HBA Live, but um, in this case, kind of physical activity does, in my experience, tee me up for a better night's rest. Um, whether I work out in the morning or in the evening, I've, mm -hmm. I've had that experience just because I think that when it comes to bed, like I'm just ready for bed. I mean, I think that activity also tees me up for a better day when I do it in the morning as well. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I'm ready. It's like, it's just like, I don't know. It's like this, um, uh, for me, I don't drink coffee. So, um, it's what I can only assume other people experience when they smell coffee. It's like, it's my, I'm ready. It's like, I'm ready to start the day. Like, give it to me. Like I'm excited. So, um, I don't know. Um, has that, have you experienced any improved sleep as a result of working out Angela? I, I probably have and haven't really connected the dots there. Um, but I know that even, you know, like a busy work day, you know, when you're running around and you get, you know, 15, 20,000 steps, you know, that's just, that's a lot of activity. And yeah, if you can avoid the replaying of the whole day in your head as you're laying down to go to sleep, um, you know, your, your body is physically tired. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I'm, I, I, I value sleep over many, many things. I value sleep over a clean kitchen. I value sleep over a folded <laughs> basket of laundry. Um, I value sleep very, very much. And, and I'm glad because I, it's one of, it's one of my healthier habits actually. Um, and you know this this January has been very very hectic, and I'm not getting the sleep that I like to get, and I'm I'm feeling it. Yeah. Um, so so you know I am I am working out. I'm doing a good program. I'm definitely getting that cardiovascular. I'm meeting my 150 minutes, no problem, hands down. Strength training, I'm definitely getting that too. So I I would like to add sleep back onto my list very very soon. <laughs> Well, um, well, good. I mean, like I said, I, like I think you, we've both said, that sometimes we may not necessarily realize the benefits we're reaping in terms of our sleep schedule as a result of maybe being active. But, um, you know, whether you're a busy association or event professional who spends you know, 15, um, 20, 25, 30,000 steps walking, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I definitely know on those days I get amazing sleep. I never mm -hmm. feel like I get enough. Like I, <laughs> I no. want those seven, eight, nine yes. hours, right. um, but the quality of the sleep that I do get offsite, um, is pretty, is pretty valid. is pretty sound. Um, when the phone's not ringing and all those other things that we have to balance when we're offside at events. But in the meanwhile, um, you know, think about what maybe the connection between movement, working out physical activity and sleep has for uh, all of our, all of our listeners, all of you. Yeah. All right. Um, we have just a couple more areas that we want to tee up um, and mention before we uh, sign off for today. And the next one I think is just a little maybe pit stop around this topic of weight. 
Yep. So I, um, I can definitely relate to this, um, having spent a lot of my adult life far above the proper BMI range for my height. Um, but it, but it does say, yes, excess weight is commonly linked to heart disease. And, um, you know, while exercise isn't going to be the only cure to a weight issue, you know, it's got a common combination with being in a calorie deficit as far as your nutrition goes. Um, it, it, um, exercise can help hold it off. You know, we, we talk about like, Oh, I'm, I'm so much older. Like even when I entered, you know, back, back to Weight Watchers program in my forties, I'm like, it's just going to be slow. My metabolism is slower. I'm, you know, I started this thing, you know, 15 years ago and now I'm in my forties, you know, I, there is something to that. And I think we physically see it, you know, typically, you know, people tend to put on some weight as they age and exercise is what they're saying in this article is that exercise will help hold that off at bay, but it's not the only thing, you know, you do have to have your nutrition in check. But um, even if exercise isn't, um, you know, resulting in this gigantic or ultimate weight loss, the article is saying, don't give up on it because there are still heart benefits, even if the pounds are not reducing from your person. Um, so I think it's really important to, to keep that in mind. You know, the goal here, again, we're, I just want to make the distinction one more time that the goal here um, with this particular article is heart health. It's not to gain muscle. It's not to lose weight. It is to get your heart stronger and healthier for you know, life. So, um, but what they're saying is, yes, there is a connection and, you know, exercise will help. Um, you know, I think if, if you have less weight on your body, it's less stress on your organs and your muscles and your bones and your joints. And, um, that's, that's been talked about in many, many different, um, articles and venues. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise or no mystery that, um, I've had a similar sort of yo-yo effect and I remain in that yo-yo, um, of weight. Uh, but it's, it's a good reminder that, um, you know, weight can be connected to heart, heart disease, mm -hmm. um, heart problems, et cetera. And just being mindful of what that looks like within, your own regimen as you sort of uh, explore or self-evaluate uh, how important uh, exercise and weight and heart health is uh, for you and your family and, and really your friends and colleagues as well. Um, so being mindful of, of the effect or impact it can have to carry around extra weight uh, and how the additional strain on your heart uh, likely isn't healthy or helping really um, you as you consider your overall health and wellness goals. Yeah. Speaking of goals and guidelines, we're just going to wind down here, uh, reminding everyone about the guidelines presented in, again, this Harvard um, published study um, that is supported by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services talking about um, the guidelines. So again, these sort of guidelines fall into two categories. The first is that moderate intensity aerobic activity. Um, the article, again, just reminds us that we're looking for those 150 minutes over the course of a week that, um, that we can do them in as little as five-minute intervals and just being mindful of sort of how those fall out into your normal routine or schedule. Um, and secondly, this uh, idea around str uh, strengthening exercises. So thinking about muscles and strengthening and thinking about how you're getting in uh, a couple of those opportunities a week. And I love that this article says from Dr. Lee, you don't need dumbbells. You can use everyday items in your house, such as you know, a five pound bag of rice or <laughs> that, that chicken noodle soup that you can- The Campbell soup right? cans. <laughs> Um, or you can use like resistance bands or rubber bands or, or whatever. And so just be mindful of, um, for you, what it means to elevate your heart rate, what it means to strengthen or push your muscles beyond, uh, what you might normally do. And again, for those maybe with, um, less current activity, 
that some of those simpler ideas or easier approaches um, will meet that need. And certainly for um, those who are listening who have a higher intensity uh, workout now, that again, the goal isn't always, you know, I'm not suggesting that these workouts that push you to exhaustion or that push you to muscle fatigue aren't good. Um, but you don't always have to push yourself in that way that for wherever you are, you can meet yourself where you're at. And as long as you're pushing, again, your aerobic activity um, to a point of elevating your heart rate or your muscles to a point that are beyond your normal activity, that you are helping supporting a healthy heart. And at the end of the day, that's all we can ask for. And I think thinking about you and your current state, maybe even your kids and their current state, um, you know, one of the things that we never talked about when I was growing up was um, why it was important to eat well or why it was important to move. Mm-hmm. I think that at one point in uh, my youth, my parents, specifically my dad, really decided that I was overweight and he thought that he could just tell me to run around the block and that that would be like a good sort of activity for me. Well, look, I. I from not having any activity, like a kid that's overweight can't run around the block. I'm telling you that firsthand. I could barely run down like one, like our street, let alone like around the block. Um, And so being mindful uh, and having the conversation maybe with your spouse or with your kids Mm -hmm. um, or even with maybe your older parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about even uh, my dad. My dad just recently had Uh, a hip replacement. He was in a lot of discomfort prior to the hip replacement. And for anyone that's either had that or experienced that in their family, like they literally get you up and moving the same day that you have your hip replaced. How important is it for your parents to get up and move? And how important, you know, that as we think about just elevating the heart or elevating the muscle fatigue or, you know, activities that uh, we're doing to engage the muscles, like this is important for our parents as well. And so having that conversation, not letting this be a secret, not sweeping this under the rug, not leaving this for something to deal with next week or next month or next year, but really bringing it to the forefront as a conversation of importance. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's like, I keep saying it's, it's the one life we have. It's the one body we have. We have to do our best to treat it well so that it lasts us working properly as long as we need to. You know, I've, I've had that, I have had that conversation with my parents. I'm like, you know, use it or lose it. Like, you know, get up and do stuff. And they do, they're active. They're, they're in, um, they're, uh, wintering in Florida, those lucky little duckies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they can maybe get outside. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's not happening here in Michigan, but (laughs) at the moment anyway, but, um, but they are, you know, they, they golf and they, they get around and, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's really good. And I'm, I'm inspired to see that in their seventies that that's, that's what they're still doing. So. Awesome. All right. Are there any, I know that we've really um, tackled uh, each of the major elements of this article. We certainly will encourage people to uh, read it in its entirety for additional information or specifics, but anything else that you want to touch on before we wind down for today? No, I think, I think just, you know, the, the big point to get across is, you know, just a little bit of elevating your heart rate. You know, if you can get 150 minutes in a week and, and, you know, push your muscles a little bit more, that's just going to be a good thing to improve your heart health. And I think that's really important. Awesome. Well, um, please stay tuned to future heart health episodes uh, all month long. We'll be bringing you some great uh, topics and guests. So be on the lookout for those. As always, consult with a doctor before you start any new workout routine. Uh, That's always a good opportunity to check in and make sure that um, you are stressing and pushing yourself in, in good and healthy ways and not necessarily overdoing it. Uh, But in the meantime, we'll remind you that Healthy by Association is powered by intention, and we hope that you'll power your week with intention as well. We hope that you'll take this opportunity to hit the reset button, whether you've been on a solid, good track forward ever since maybe the start of the year, or whether this is something new that you're considering. Any day is a good day to start fresh. So as you think about the week ahead, set your intention, whether it's uh, heart-healthy exercise guidelines for yourself, elevating um, you know, maybe your heart rate or 
maybe strengthening or pushing your muscles in a new way or anything else related to your personal health and wellness journey, uh, be mindful of that and set that as your intention for the week um, and really focus on uh, just a couple of minutes a day maybe to support yourself in that journey. We hope that you'll share your successes and struggles on Facebook because we're here to support you and uh, we always appreciate the opportunity for you to support and inspire others as well. In the meantime, thanks for listening and remember to put your health and well-being first. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Healthy by Association podcast. For links and other resources, please see our show notes. Also, request to join our Facebook community at Healthy by Association. You can subscribe to the HBA podcast through various platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Don't forget to rate and review, and be sure to power your week with intention. Thanks for listening.